This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. Well, let's get ready for our sermon that was supposed to be a one-Sunday sermon that I was terribly mistaken about. It not only was it a one-Sunday sermon, now I think this is sermon number five out of that one sermon. So I guess I got to writing a little bit much that day. But we've been studying for the last few weeks uh, out of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 18, and today I want to talk to you about image or illusion, okay? And so this is what that passage says. So so as we don't look, what? Oh, y'all are almost there. We don't look at the troubles we can see now. All right. I guess if I was to poll the room who was facing troubles, there would be a lot of hands that would go in the air. I'm getting some nods, getting some maybe. Some of you had a great week. That's awesome. How many of you know that just as soon as it, somebody made this statement to you the other day, they said, I don't think anything could mess up this day. <laughs> I was like, oh, wow, that's a statement. But we all face struggles. Does it mean God loves us any less if we face struggles? No. And as a matter of fact, I'm tired of God getting a bad rap for all the struggles because a lot of the struggles we face, we, we dig those holes ourselves. We invite those things into our life. But here what this passage is saying is we don't look at all the troubles that we're, we're dealing with, but instead we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. One version said, we don't see what can be seen, we look ahead to what's unseen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. Think about the thing that you thought you would never get past, but you got past it. Now, you may not be unscarred. You may not be completely over it, but you're here today. You're moving forward in life. And as that happens, think about all of those things that you've had to deal with and realize that this is a momentary pain, but there is something called joy that awaits us. There is something that lasts forever that awaits us. We might be going through a season now, but let us not blame God for the season. So we're dealing with what is God's will. What is God's will is not that I look at all the problems, but that I look through to the better things on the other side. Now, what we talked about, what we're looking toward, Wednesday evening, we ended up here, we started last Sunday, ended up here on Wednesday evening, and that was that what do we see past our troubles? And there's a passage that we we made it to in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse number 9, and Hebrews chapter 2 and verse number 9 kind of really summed it up, said we have all authority and all these things, and and then in verse number 9 it said, but when what we see or what we do see is Jesus. So instead of looking at all the problems, find Jesus. Lift up your eyes and find Jesus. Because if you sit down and look for all the problems, then they're going to weigh you down. They're going to overtake you. 
There, it's, it's going to be, see, most of us have these plans in our lives of what life is going to look like. And when we get there, it doesn't look anything like we thought it would look like. How many of you ever had your dreams crushed as a child by a cereal box? I think the majority of this generation may not know that because it's a choking hazard, but, but a lot of us have all had our, our hopes and dreams crushed by a cereal box because in some, somehow on a commercial, you saw some kind of a wonderful toy that was going to be in the cereal box. I mean, I mean, some kind of thing that you could ride around on or something. And so you're thinking about it. You're not even rationalizing. How could something I could ride on be inside a cereal box? And you tear open the cereal box. You tear open the cereal, cereal goes everywhere, and you take your, your dirty little hand. <laughs> Let's be honest. Shove it down in the cereal. I'm hungry. No, you're not. You just want to find the, the toy. And when you pull it out, it's about that big. And then you see the actual size doesn't measure up. Listen to me. I think a lot of us are trying to figure out how to fit into a life that doesn't measure up. And so this is what this is the excuse we give. Are you ready for this? We just say, well, that's God's will. Well, that must be God's will. And so on Wednesday night, we began talking about what it means to see through and to find the Father's will. Now, I've thought a lot about what is God's will lately. I mean, I've thought about it a lot. I've been seeking the face of God. I'm like, God, I don't understand this passage. And so many people say, well, we'll just pray that God's will will be done. We'll just pray that God's will will be done in so many areas of our lives. And let's just pray God's will will be done. And I'm like, God, I don't get it. I don't understand. Because I don't live in a faith that's like a, like a, a world on the wheel of fortune. See what you end up at. That's not the way God works. That's not the way God wants you to live. That's not God's plan for your life. And as it's not God's plan for your life, as it's not God's plan for your life, I want you to understand what I've come to tell you today. That God is blamed for far too many things. I don't know how many funeral homes I've been in and I've heard people make this statement, well, it was just God's will. No, it was not God's will. Well, no, no, brother, it was just God's will. No, it wasn't God's will. You're counteracting the scripture of the living God. The word of God says that it's not God's will that any should perish, but all live forever. That's God's will. So why do we constantly try to say, well, God's will. So I said, God, show me an answer for this. And here's what he showed me in his word. Are you ready for this? He showed me that both times that we really see about praying, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done, that there was a significance to that. And here's the significance. When they prayed in the garden, Jesus said, hey, I know I'm headed to the cross. If there were another way, I want to take it, Lord. Is there not another way? If there's a way out of this, I'd like to take it. Why? Because his flesh didn't want to go to the cross. Some of you are going, well, that doesn't sound very spiritual. Neither does yours. Who wants me to give you a special anointing today that, that you'll have to crucify your flesh this week? Anybody? No. Nobody wants that. Because most of us don't plan on crucifying our flesh this week. We plan on increasing our flesh this week. Come on now. We're going to live in that flesh. But as we're living in that, 
as we're dealing with that, Jesus says, hey, God, I know that I was, this has been the plan since the foundation of the world, Father. But if there were another way, I sure would be glad if you'd show me. I think a lot of us get to the edge of the fiery furnace and say, I could really use another way now, Lord. I mean, because I'm kind of getting sunburned just standing here. And we're looking for the other way. And we're trying to find God's will. But here's what Jesus said. He didn't say, okay, whatever it is you want. No, he said, I know what you want. Here's what I want. But nevertheless, let my life conform to the image of what you want. I want you to get that. I know what you want, God. I know what I want, and they're not matching up. But nevertheless, let my life conform to the image of what you want. And he prayed it again, or, they, or he told us to pray it in Matthew 6 when he said, they said, teach us how to pray. And he said, he said, pray this way. Our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come. And what was it? Your will be done. And we're thinking, okay, everything that happens in our world is God's will. No. He said, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, let what you're doing in heaven become a reality on earth. And it is, let me just, I'm going to be real plain to you. It is not God's will for somebody to be murdered on this earth. It is not God's will for someone to be assaulted on this earth. It is not God's will for some child to be beat up and abused on this earth. It is not God's will. We can't sit back and say, well, it was just God's will. God was working all things for, for their good. No. And what God wants to do is walk into a messed up situation of man's will and invoke his presence so that his glory can turn it all around for your good and his glory. That's God's will. And so we're trying to figure out how do we get and find what God's will is. And the reality is what I've been teaching you is that we have to learn to stop looking at what we see and look through. Look through, okay? And as we look through to those things ahead, as we look through to those things that are ahead, what we have to see is a set place. And what do we need to see? Well, we can't figure it out in a physical world because we're physical beings. So we have to begin to live in a spiritual reality. And in a spiritual reality, I begin to realize something. The physical will come to pass, but the spiritual will last forever. And if I want to find Jesus, I've got to stop trying to add up if he's in the mix of all the physical, and I've got to find out what he's trying to do in my spiritual life. Could it be? It's not God's will for you to be where you are, but since you are there, that he wants to change you in that fire so that when you come out the other side, you never stop testifying about the one you found in the fire. I'm preaching truth to you today. I'm preaching truth to you today. God's good. God's faithful. And as good and as faithful as God is, I want you to listen to me. This is important. In John chapter 16... Verse number 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into, watch this, all truth. He will not speak of his own authority, okay, he will, but he will speak of what he has heard, and he will tell you about what is yet to come. Most of us are wanting to know what's ahead of us, but we're too busy looking at what's around us 
to ever catch a glimpse of what's ahead of us. Now listen to me. What I'm about to give you is super important, and I need everyone listening at this moment as I'm, as I'm giving this to you, okay? Listen, listen to me. This is super, super important. When the Holy Spirit leads us into all truth, I want you to notice he will guide you into all the truth, not your truth. And as he guides you into the truth, most of us have to realize we, most of us don't like the truth because we're allergic to the truth. I told you that a few weeks ago. As a matter of fact, if some of you knew the truth about how bad your car's doing, you'd realize that you're right, that you, that you are great men and women of faith because you rode here on faith this morning and didn't even know it. And you wouldn't take it somewhere because the truth would cause you to be worried about it. The truth would cause you to be worried about it. And as the truth calls you to be worried about it, I want you to understand, this is super important, that the reality is the truth breaks down an illusion. The truth causes an illusion to fall. And as the truth causes the illusion to fall, there's a change that happens. Because most of us are really living in an illusion whether we know it or not. Because here's the way we live. Are you ready for this? We live this way. We think, okay, as long as I keep God happy, everything in my life's going to be perfect. As long as I, I mean, I sit in a church, and I mean, I can handle as long as the pastor doesn't preach too long past 12. Come on now. As long as I'm sitting in church, I, I pay my tithes. <laughs> Oh, God, I even worked the nursery. Then everything should be good in my life. No. What you're doing is trying to create this false illusion called religion that will never get you where you need to go. Religion will never satisfy your soul. The only thing that will satisfy your soul is the image of Jesus Christ manifesting in your life and through you. Now, here, but here's the thing. If I'm living under the lie of an illusion, and as, as I'm living under a lo the lie of an illusion, listen to me. I want you to understand that when my illusion gets shaken by reality, I can end up in a bad place. As a matter of fact, when my illusion is exposed by reality, I can end up with a weak prayer life and a disillusioned faith. Get this truth. I'm going to tell you this while you write this down. One cannot become disillusioned without first having an illusion. It's truth. One cannot become disillusioned without first having an illusion. What I mean by that is this. We build these constructs in our own mind that everything's good, and because everything is good, as we build these constructs, we are dealing with all of this, this reality, and it comes crashing down around us, and we go, wait a minute, God, 
you're supposed to see what I'm doing because that's not supposed to happen to me because I'm good. You know what the first problem with that is? Is you're judging your image against somebody else's image and not against his. So that can't work. Oh, hold on, let's fix that. Hold on. All right, so let me just give you an example from my own life, okay? I have a, a horrible situation as a, chi- I mean, as a young man with a child. My two-year-old is dying in my arms. And as my two-year-old is dying in my arms, I am sitting in the hospital waiting room. God's trying to supernaturally move. And as God is trying to supernaturally move, I'm fighting with him because I'm not happy in the moment. I'm not happy in the reality that I'm in. And here's the situation. Let me explain it to you. And I didn't mean to get off into this today, but I think it's important. I'm sitting in this room. There's all kinds of soccer scrapes, and it's flu season, and there's all this stuff that's happening. And there's 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 only one nurse because everybody else called out that day. And, and it's one of the major hospitals in in Atlanta. And in these major hospitals, uh, uh, you'd think they'd have more than one nurse. So everybody's screaming at this nurse, and she's pretty much given up. My daughter is dying in my arms, and as I'm sitting there. With this gray child, I can feel the life slipping out of her. The Holy Spirit of the living God speaks to me, and he doesn't say, you know, pronounce this over her and she shall live. This is what he says to me. He says, you you go tell that nurse that she's doing a good job no matter what anybody else says. And I said, Lord, certainly that's not you because she that's not true. And he said, you do it now. And I felt an urgency in my spirit. I jumped up almost, put, put Bethany in Christina's arms, walked over to that nurse. She was a short little lady. I squared up. She, she looked. She was ready for a fight because every other dad was already screaming at her. And I looked at her and I said, young lady. And she said, I said, I don't care what anybody else says. You're doing a good job. And I turned and walked off as she smirked and went the other direction. And these were my words to God, what good did that do? Well, I didn't know what she was dealing with, but all I know is what she did. All we can figure is that she went back around the corner. She walked around the door, took my child's chart from the bottom of the triage list, moved it to the top, came back and looked all all those other dads in the face and, and gave them a mocking look and walked up to me and said, bring your daughter with me. As my daughter lay there on that bed, the doctor started screaming. They went into action. Her brain was so dehydrated, it was, it, it, they didn't know if she would recover. A blood sugar that's normally 90 or 80s or 90s in a, in, in a non-sick person, hers was 777. She was dying on the table. They looked at us probably 30 minutes later and said, do you understand if your child had not been laid on this table right this moment that she would have died in this waiting room? And I couldn't help but step back and say, okay, God, thank you for your faithfulness. And from that moment on, I made a determination. And it sounds like a long story, but I'm getting you where I'm trying to take you. I made a determination that we were going to honor God through ever how long that took. And it's been 26 years. We try to honor God every single day of that. I wrote the story down how God saved her life. It was printed a hundred thousand times. People have been healed all over the world. I preached it around the world. Lives have been changed all over the world. I don't know how to be more faithful than when you preach God can heal and lay hands on people and see them healed in these very altars and then go home and, and have to wrestle your child to the ground to give them their medicine. I don't know how to be more faithful than that. 
But then one night I was at the county fair. And as I'm walking around the county fair, I notice, see this genetic anomaly. Nobody in our family has this disease. It's not, not, no, not one child supposed to have it in our family line. But I noticed that this child that I'm walking around with is not the sick one, but she's got all the symptoms of the sick one. And I get a sick feeling in my gut, and I say, I say to Bethany, I said, give me your blood sugar machine. And I took Jordan's blood sugar, and right there in the middle of the fairgrounds, I realized that I had been faithful over so much but now we were going to go through it again. You talk about frustrating. I've been good, God. I've used it for your glory. I don't understand. I don't get it. Why? And then I realized I had built this safe wall of I'll use this for, for his glory as an illusion to make sure that nothing bad ever happened to any of the other family members because at least we were being faithful in this. So I'm preaching healing. I'm walking in the faith. I'm walking. To, and so this is this wall. And the wall came crashing down around me. And you know what? We both really struggled with how do we preach the healing power of God when now another child is sick? The difference is, if you dealt with it, you got to sit out there. But I had to come to this pulpit the next Sunday and tell you God loves you and God still heals. And I was finding myself disillusioned because I had built up this illusion of safety in my faithfulness. And then I began to understand why God has me preaching this to you. I don't care where you are and what you're going through in your life. If your faithfulness is what you think is keeping you safe and keeping your family together, there's a problem. Because your faithfulness cannot measure up. You might be more faithful than your neighbor and you might be more faithful than your brother. But let me tell you today, there is only one image that we should be conformed in. And it doesn't look like people on this earth. It looks like Jesus Christ who went all the way to the cross and remained faithful no matter what. Why? Because when we are conformed in the image, all things work together for our good and for God's glory. And God wants to do something even when you're shaken. Amen. So I said, okay, God. I don't know what you're going to do, but I don't want to live an illusion anymore. I want to be changed into the image of Christ. John chapter 8, verse 32, as we prepare to wind this thing down today, says this. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Here's the problem. Most of us know what God wants us to do. We, we've learned what Jesus expects from us. We know the truth. We're just not willing to walk in the truth. Because I know that Jesus wants me to forgive even when I don't think it's possible. But yet... If I start molding myself into the image of Christ, he will help me do the impossible. But here's what we do instead. Are you ready for this? I come to you and say, hey, what do you think about this? 
And instead of accepting the truth, I try to get a plurality of agreement out of you that I'm doing the right thing. That maybe, maybe if you agree with me enough, I'll feel good about this, even though I know what Jesus tells me to do. But you know what? And people will say things like this to you. They'll say, oh, it's going to be all right. You know, God sees your heart. <laughs> That's the problem. He sees your heart. And he's saying, the devil may have thought he was going to take you out with this, but I'm going to clean you up through this. I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you grow into the image that God's called you to walk in. Now, does that make that easy? No. Because I have some other images in my life that I want to reflect sometimes. Some of them are not good. I've built up some illusions of how I should respond to things sometimes, and those are not healthy. They're not God's plan. Let me just, let me just, if I have to mask up to just put up with family this week, I'm walking in an illusion. If I have to put on a fake smile and fake it till you make it, there's a problem. What I need to do Hold on, I just, I've just felt a couple little religious spirits say, Amen, Pastor. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about being so blunt that you, you burn everybody to the ground around you. Somebody go, but I like the image of Jesus in the whip. When you start walking on water, you can make a, have a whip too. Come on now, amen. Listen to me. When... I have to choose between trying to look like a success or trying to feel like I'm protecting my own image over sharing the image of Christ this week. That's exactly why I'm preaching this sermon to you. You're not perfect. You're not going to win every battle. You're not going to win every struggle. But as long as you have your eyes on Jesus, you're going to win more than you used to win. And it may lo look like you lose the argument this week. God forbid your brother-in-law actually wins. Give him one year out of the last 20. Come on now. Amen. Maybe his team wins and you, you've got to... And everybody's frustrated but let down your guard. I don't know who this is for, and this is not the way this sermon went. Probably will air the other 9.30 on the broadcast. I don't know, but listen to me. I think that God's wanting somebody to have such a win this week that it would set you up to see your family won for Christ. That it wouldn't be all of a sudden everything's holy on Thanksgiving Day. No, there's something different about mom. There's something different about dad. There's something different about their child. There's something that's changed. There's something broken that's fixed. There's something that's wrong that's been made right. Why? Because we let go of all the illusion. We say, let me look like Jesus. 
the image of Christ. I have to look through and find the image of Jesus. And if you're fighting with somebody that's maybe even in this room, listen to what I'm telling you. If you can't sound like Jesus, don't open your mouth to start with. Okay. We made it one paragraph into three pages of notes. Anybody okay if I preach the remainder of this next Sunday? Good, because I was going to anyways. Come on now, amen. <laughs> um, I don't know what he's doing, but he's doing something. He's working on it somehow. It's supposed to be one off. I mean, I got great series planned. At this rate, I don't have to plan a sermon until like February. But how awesome that God in heaven would arrest time and space and our order and our flow so he can speak to us. Now, I did not say this in any other service. I want you to listen to what I'm about to say. Personally, I believe he's trying to get the church ready for his return. And if you're not in his image, you won't be his bride. We all carry someone's image. 15 years ago, this has changed by now, but 15 years ago, 94% of all the men on the earth had one time or another done an Elvis move or a thank you, thank you very much or whatever. Because he so affected the image of the world. You're more affected by your fathers and your brothers and your mothers and your friends than you could ever imagine. What would happen? What would happen if Jesus was the one we reflected the most? Just bow your heads with me in this place. Maybe you're watching today. I want you to take up just a moment of Holy silence, you're riding in the car, just, just listen to the Holy Spirit. If you're watching at home, listen to what God is saying. Listen to what He's saying. God's speaking to us. If you're here, let the illusion fall. You're not perfect, and nor am I. But there is only one. Anything else is an illusion. Let us be conformed into the image of Christ. I want to ask you quickly this today. If you're, if you're somehow responding to this message, and you'd say, Pastor, I understand there's some illusions in my life that I need, I need to repent of, and I need to get them under the blood of Jesus Christ. I want to see your hand. Hold it up just as high as you can. Yeah. Almost the majority of this service, almost 100% last service. I'm waiting for you. Who else? Who else? Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Yeah. Hands all over this place. God, I'd rather raise my hand in this place and say I'm a sinner than to walk as, as a person of smoke and mirrors because when the storm clouds blow, the smoke blows away. But we ask you today as we confess our weaknesses and we confess our struggles, 
So I pray over all of these as we confess there is grace, there is forgiveness, there is hope. Lord, let the not the winds of trouble blow, but let the breeze of the Holy Spirit come rushing into every life and blow out everything that is smoke and mirrors. And let us be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. With every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment more, maybe you're watching, maybe you're here today, and you say, Pastor, my whole life's been an illusion. I've never surrendered my life to Jesus Christ. I've never given my whole life to Jesus Christ. And today, I either want to commit my life to Jesus Christ for the first time or recommit my life to Jesus. If that's you, I'm not going to embarrass you any more than anybody else to just raise their hand. But I want to pray with you right where you are. If that's you, I want to see your hand in this place. Would you hold it up high? Thank you. Thank you. Are there others that will join these? Thank you. Are there others that will join these three? Thank you. Amen. I'm waiting. Are there others? Maybe you're online. You say, that's me. I'm ready to let that illusion fall. I'm ready to let it fall in the name of Jesus. All right, put your hands down right now. We're going to pray a prayer together. And this is the prayer. And we're going to confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of our life. We're going to believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead and the new life will start today. Let's pray this prayer together right now. Jesus, come on everybody. Jesus, by faith, I believe your promises. Heavenly Father, I am a sinner in need of a savior. You see my life. I'm not hiding anything. Take me, mold me, make me like Jesus. And in Jesus name, I receive your grace. And now I declare God is my father. Heaven is my home and Jesus is my savior. Amen. And amen. Come on, give God some praise today. today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at War Hill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 8.15, 9.30, and 11 a.m., where you will find Real Love Now.